Hey guys, it's Ethan. And MJ. I just want to say I'm excited for you guys to listen to our podcast episode on status and culture, the book by W. David Marks. What's the subtitle again? What is it? You have the book because it's... The status and culture, how our desire for social rank creates taste, identity, art, fashion, and constant change. There we go. Um, so this this is a uh, not really a review. We say that multiple times at the beginning of this. Um, <laughs> but just be forewarned, we are going to talk about a lot about the book. We're going to also kind of jump right into it. So it helps if you've read this book before. Because, uh, again, this is this is like us reacting, like kind of po- like almost for MJ and Spencer, just days or hours after they finished reading this, just kind of giving their live reaction to the book. And uh, obviously Mm -hmm. there are more important aspects about this that we kind of just latch on to. So don't expect a deep dive on this book. It's going to be definitely full of our opinions of how we use this book to frame how we think about status and culture. So (laughs) just keep that in mind uh, for this very extra long and special episode of Style and Direction. MJ, can you do me a favor? What's that? Can you play the theme music? Well, actually, you're going to play the theme music. Oh, Take it right. away. Hello, baby. My name is Mr. Status. Mr. Status? Yeah, Status. Status! What's your, what's your status, status, Mr. Status? Mr. Status, Horn. Mr. Status. Is that a new song? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Status. You say Status. I say Status. Um, there's only one way to say it. I'm culture. And, and I'm direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say freaking uh, uh, status and culture. What is that? Are the evil version of our podcast? It kind of feels like it in the sense, yeah. right? Like it's it's. If we looked in, if we looked into the cursed mirror and saw all of us with goatees and eye patches. Well, I would have. Well, I guess at this point of recording, I have my my beard is like pretty much coming back. Because I have it shaved. Well, we would all just have, like, the evil Spock goatees. Like, you know, that classic style. <laughs> or evil Abed, if you want to go the the, the more uh, contemporary. Yeah, who who gets the uh, who gets the, the robot arm? Um, um, oh, no, no one has a robot arm. No, Jeff just doesn't have an arm. That's right. There's a, lot, a lot of stuff happened in that show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that whole, like... Like, did they exist? I mean, I guess it was all in, like, his brain, right? Like, it's just... Mm-hmm. It's Abed. We're getting a movie eventually. Hey, talk about status and culture. Um, is hey, let's talk about how how much how of a about, cultural talk hit about was status was and culture. Right? How about uh, statistics and horticulture? My two least favorite classes at Hogwarts. How about how how about how about? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be horticulture, Spencer. That's magical wrong. horticulture. You know and also no. Statistics? What's the term? It's herbology. herbology. Thank you very much. Herbology. You know? I'd like. To see her, her mom and me. How about how about huh? this? How about the dyna- Hey, how about the book, The Dynamics of an Asteroid? Remember that book? Yeah, I sure do and, remember uh, that book. And do you know how in the back of it there's like a code for my ledgers of evil or something, right? Like it's 
Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. What a classic professor. movie. We should we should watch that again. I think it's on HBO. Yeah. Are we are we missing out on the cultural touchstone that is Sherlock Holmes colon a game of shadows? Yeah. That oh, is. Boy. How come he didn't mention that in his book at all? Yeah. I mean, technically, we are getting Enola Holmes too. That's right. The second one. Yeah. Who's so? Who's, who's excited for Enola Holmes? Let me see a show of hands. We're all raising it's, a show? it's a full house. <laughs> it's a full house. It's a show. I haven't, I haven't seen a second of it, but um, boy, I'm not. I, I can't keep this up. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't, you're, not a, you're not a fan of. I'm not. Of, a, I'm uh, not an Anola head. I, I'm not a. I don't know much. E-head? I'm not an E head. An yeah. electronics head. E-H. Did you know the E HUD? Yeah, you ever heard of E HUD? What is E HUD? What's E HUD? I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but he <laughs> is the is a. Uh, a, a Hebrew assassin in one of the books of the Bible, where he would he had okay. his like sword, and then he would he was gonna his, he was assigned to kill this like pagan like king, and the pig king was so fat that when he stabbed him, oh, uh, he went all the way the all the way to the hilt. Gross Bible. But then if he he couldn't like it didn't come out the other side. Like the, the guy was just that big. Um. Yeah. I I remember we had a. Uh, why do we always talk about the damn Bible? But the, it's always like Ethan I said the last the time. Boys, the boys' Bible. I had you know, the, okay. I had the boys' if... Bible that had the little thing on the side. It's like, here are the grossest stories. Wait, that's a thing? <laughs> yeah. The, did you just like this. you just you just found this? I mean, mean, I I read the Bible. Hold on, Spencer. first time okay. I read the whole Bible cover <laughs> to cover. Okay, sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I. Uh, how dedicated I was, but I just, that's how I remember it. I, I remember finding it in that little thing in a, a boy's Bible for boys. I, I, I got it from the boy, Jesus Christ himself and divine revelation. <laughs> the, okay. the boy. Uh, they should put that guy in B. Assassin's Creed. Jesus Christ? No, like Ehud. <laughs> oh, Ehud. Okay. Yeah, why would it, <laughs> you were talking about an assassin. Well, yeah, but I mean, text, imagine. I mean, okay, so if this sword didn't go in, if he with the hilt, a hidden blade would do nothing. That would or, yeah, it it wouldn't kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he would okay, be the I'll, final I'll, boss. I'll have a reference for you. It's like when uh, it's like when um, uh, John Wick has to fight an assassin who's like this really big guy. He stabs him like three times, but the guy still keeps coming. So it's like he comes the same thing, <laughs> dude. All, all over. Dude, that's gross. Don't, don't come. Yeah. Do not come. E-Hud, more like E-Come. How about that? How about, how about E-Cud? <laughs> yeah. That's what's, the electronics the... branch of Cud.biz. <laughs> yeah, what's the, uh, what was the slogan of, of Cud? We, we, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. I don't know. What, um, what was it? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. We didn't write it down. I'm sure it's somewhere. It's, anyway, it's guys. It's written down in the, in the, in our, in our vocal notes. In the cut, in the cud bylaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a designated survivor <laughs> situation. Yeah, what happens when the when the CEO of Cud uh, gets killed? It goes to the speaker of the Cud House. <laughs> the speaker of the Cud House. Man, I want to go to yeah. the Cud House. I want to go to the. I want to go to the to the Cud of Commons. What's okay. that? The chamber of chamber of no, that's not no, right. House, What's of, that? The house, house of, of Commons. Commons and the House of Lords. I I can't wait for the next Ridley Scott movie to be, uh, the House of Cud. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it's about I it's wonder... about the rise and fall of the Cud Empire. Yeah. yeah. 
How about how about cud colon gods and gods and kings? What's the other one? Is it what Exodus, kind of accent, gods and kings? What kind of accent would Jared Leto be doing in the cud movie? Would he be doing crazy Italian? That was crazy Italian. What I the way I said that. By the way, crazy okay. Italian. That's how crazy. Talk. I'm crazy and I'm Italian. It sounds like you're doing like a like a like a tenor Jack Nicholson kind of a thing going on. I I sing pretty high for a guy. I'm Jack Nicholson. <laughs> jack yeah um anyway speaking of jack uh welcome everyone put your put your <laughs> yeah, pants speaking back of on jack shit <laughs> jack hey my name's jack shit yeah that's the sequel to jack frost <laughs> great so he, so in hold on in jack frost he's made of frost which is snow <laughs> yeah <frost>. and, <laughs> and you're telling me in I'm jack shit you. he's I, a I, snowman I, I made to of be the one to report this Okay. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, but unfortunately, yes, and he is made of shit. God, um, and he man. still has the soul of his dad. Oh God. Yeah, he's like he's played by Michael Keaton. He's like, son, why am I made of shit? Dad, you melted. <laughs> I had to make you out of the the first thing I could think of. Is is there a hat involved in this, like like Frosty or? Yeah, he had to he had to like poop on the ground and then put the hat on the poop and then all of a sudden. But it could, he had to do this to save his dad. Yeah, it it was like a it was like a a, a Will a, uh what's his name fuck Boots, a Will Turner no a Will a Will Turner and David Jones thing where like Jack could have become the new king of the sea. But to save his friend, he had to have him stab the heart. Yeah. So in this one, to save Jack Frost, he had to poop and then put the hat on the poop. That's right. It it was the last day of summer. What do you expect? Yeah, it was his dad yeah. who died. So, in so he, last day of summer, last day of winter. <laughs> he he kept no. The problem is he kept it. He kept it in the fr- the freezer all through summer, and then on the last day, he's like, you know what? I think I can take him out for just a little bit. But it was it was too hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had to do the next liquid solid that he could find. The next liquid solid. That is, I if hope... you go on po- Wikipedia and search poop, which I do often, it does say poop, <laughs> poop is a liquid solid. Can take the body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pour the squid. Anyway, welcome to Stone Direction, a men's rear podcast about the stuffiness. I am Ethan M. Wong. I'm Spencer DSO. And I'm MJ. And we're here to talk to you today about status and culture the new That's book right. by w david mark what do you think the w stands for i think it stands for wendell <laughs> wendell. oliver wendell holmes is that what you thought of yeah. it? no i just there was the first w name oh you thought of my cousin <laughs> sure yeah how about uh walker what's up wendell like george walker. walker george who's that what about walker uh texas ranger <laughs> okay yeah. that was the classic one um we're, yeah, today we're, I don't think this is like a, a book review because I don't think I'm equipped with the faculties. I don't think I'm or the Or the students. Get it? Get a little school joke there for you. That is a school um, joke. Yeah, SJs. I could go for an SJ, you know what I'm saying? D- Ws? <laughs> a shit for job? Wh- for oh, Wendell. okay. I, th- I was going to say just suck job, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounded like to me. You know what's going to be so funny is if... If he listens to this, which I, I he's not going to, okay. But he'd be like he'd be like skipping everything. Like where the where the fuck are you gonna talk about my fucking book, man? Yeah, we're like, like I don't know. I feel I feel bad. We're gonna like he's he's talking about you know some of this book is like 
not not to generalize, but it's like, man, how how come everything's so shit nowadays? And then we spend the first like twenty minutes of the podcast talking about literally snowman about poop and like <laughs> we're the worst. We're we're contributing yeah, we're the, to the we're the, the problem the decline. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we're talking about his new book, Status and Culture. It just came out. He also has a website called CultureGhost.io, which is kind of like his Substackish supplement, I guess appendix. Uh, the gallbladder, if you will, of of his book, and uh, yeah, it's been it's kind kind of like the hot not the hot topic, but it's been kind of the uh, you know required menswear reading, uh, because as you recall, like three or four years ago when Ambitora came out, that was like the big thing that everyone was reading as well, yeah, and it had a, it was a good book about you know how, as the subtitle says, how Japan saved America, how Japan saved American style. Um, and this book kind of expands on that idea of, of cultural, how cultural ideas move, take hold within the mainstream, and and um, and adds on the idea of how status, um, which include benefits and place in society, which is basically his definition of status, um, and how that plays into cultural movements and how people participate in them. And so that this is a, it's it's a short book, but it's pretty hefty. It's it's only like two hundred and seventy pages, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of information there. And it goes into all these things. It's divided into like what five sections or something like that, uh, or, or no? There's that. ten. There's no, ten there's chapters. Ten chapters. There's like three or four parts. Yeah, one's on like status, one's on culture, and the other one's on like the internet or something, right? And the money. internet. I will say that <laughs> I, I apologize if, if I'm not. I apologize if I'm not as into not as into it, but as um, my my my. my recollections there because mj borrowed my book and i read it before i went to new york and i haven't had it for three weeks so yeah um, well i have the is the i don't know if there's there's probably no way i could share with you the nope kindle version i have but it's okay i'm sure everyone's read it and a lot of our friends have read this book and it kind of you know it it kind of follows a lot of what we talk about on the blog or how the blog has moved blog and podcast have moved into the past two years where we don't really focus on like oh Let's talk about spear point collars. Um, I mean, I guess if that if if you think about our spear point collar thing as his ambitora, we've kind of moved into the whole like, okay, well, how do we talk about menswear culture as a whole and how we participate in it? And so it kind of goes hand in hand um, mm-hmm. with that discussion. Um, so I think we should just jump in here, uh, Spencer. I know you're the uh, other person who has the book. What did you think of the book? Um, for the most part, I I I mean, I really liked Amitora. Um. I I had some minor disagreements with this, as we'll get into. But for the most part, I like this book. Um, I think I I don't mean I I feel <laughs> I always feel condescending saying this, but I I think it could have been a little bit shorter. Um, I felt like there were a lot of uh, a lot of the book was just examples, um, of stuff. Yeah, that's um, like the common complaint from like a lot of the reviews that I've read. But, um. I don't know. I some of the a lot of the historical anecdotes I thought were kind of fun to read about, um, which I mean that that was I think the strength in like uh, Amitora a lot. Um, but uh, as for the more specific notes, I'm sure we'll get into those when we get into the discussion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, MJ, um, you just finished it. Yes. Uh, today. Um... Nice. Listeners don't know what today is, um, and you don't but have to. You don't need to. Uh, kind of what Spencer, same page as Spencer. Uh, 
as far as big like it to be shorter but that's fine um it felt like there was a lot of like uh same perspectives for a lot of the points he was making i felt like which was kind of like um everything is just what you make it in the end which is like i mean it's fine but also it was just kind of uh repetitive for me a little bit um the historical points were good i thought that was um you know uh just a good read um that's that's what i have off the top of my off my head nice fresh and fresh and off the top yeah um I'm yeah I, so I i read this book before <laughs> both of these guys and uh like i said in our bonus episode when i was uh way before the new york one so the one from august i think or <laughs> september um i i think that the book kind of it's good in that it provides a framework of our conversations i think it's you know we, we have a lot of interchangeable terms a lot of the discussions in our discord tend to be about semantics of over certain terms and this kind of gives us a good way of looking at it like a kind no, of a defined i, I, defined I did way. think reading this that that like if if we actually yeah took the time to structure our discussions more than like oh well we know what this means and so we're just going to keep saying it until other people get it um right th- this but we is don't what, do that yeah um but anyway this would this is what it would look like yeah i mean i think like we said this is kind of providing general and historical um anecdotes over that we can relate to things like why do people why why did the spear point collar fall out of favor or why why people today i guess more or better example why people today are embracing the ideas of classic menswear or what we perceive to be ideas of classic menswear and it's kind of trending nowadays you know like why do these things come back so we've been discussing that a lot it's been kind of like the discussion topics of like you know uh on on permanent style and put this on especially with derek's uh conversations on taste lately so this this whole idea of how to proliferate taste and as it relates to how people will adopt it, which is, is about status and culture. It, it's good in that it provides that framework. Um, I I felt like the historical anecdotes were were good for the purposes of this very broad discussion. The, the, the book is very broad, and it's that's what I'm saying, where it's it's short, but it's also a lot of information, it's a lot of examples. Mm-hmm. I do think that the, the downside of that, it, it, it's very like western culture specific there are some other examples in there but i think broad in broad terms like off the top of my head i think of like the teddy boy stuff andy warhol etc like all this stuff is very western focused you could also argue that western culture is the dominant culture nowadays and that's just through colonization and so it's the best area to pick from from like how how people adopt things Mm -hmm. um so we have we ha- there is that small com- not complaint but that's the kind of the thing I wish there was a bit more nuance there especially with um, attention to like more niche subcultures that are still very relevant today um, I think more attention on that like well yeah you know. I, I see where you're saying but I also think that since the book is is about status it is probably going to focus more on the mainstream um, right stuff. and so. And that's my other thing too, where I think yeah. you know, this is this is my bias of reading it because I don't, as you guys know, I'm I'm anti-influencer. I don't uh-huh. like, and I also don't like discussing status because I don't I don't like the idea of it. Um, but I do think that there is this example of like it's not a it's not a, a cheat code on how to get higher status, 
he says that it's not he says that it's like a it's more of like a blueprint right um but there is this kind of small underlying idea that most things are all, almost all cultural movements are in pursuit of higher status uh and that's not the case in every anecdotal example but it's almost the sentiment is almost as if it's like well if it doesn't get there it's just not worth it and it's it also can be kind of sad if it doesn't happen but there's a lot of great examples i can think of where you are not in pursuit of that thing or and a lot of a lot of cultural movements i think that you can co-opt into are not in pursuit of higher status yeah um i also have i also take issue with the benefits of status because i feel like that gets kind of murky um i think of course obviously the book as it as we'll later discuss too uh, how much it focuses on like well, the wealth is a big discussion on on new versus old money um i think even today and as much as we, even if we don't have to say that like not all benefits of status are material i think that that still plays into a lot of people's definitions of it and what typically has mainstream status you know um an appeal right like things that are things that have you know won the status war uh, that or that have can stand the test of time enjoy material benefits you mm-hmm. know so it's hard to not think of those things when when evaluating the status of a person or or the perceived um status making moves of of a cultural movement so that's those are my general thoughts about reading when reading this book and especially if you're going to relate to menswear it does make some things a little bit iffier as well um so spencer were you going to say something yeah well hold on i'm trying to find uh i was i was trying to find um the specific stuff the, the the passage where he talks about um the benefits of of this i'm 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 yeah it's the right whole now. it's yeah. it's the lassie thing where he says that it's, oh there we um, go it's lassie That's it's lassie sister. yeah where he says that okay. you get you get notoriety yeah. you get special treatment and um i forgot what the third one was um but yeah it, it's there and it's it's interesting to think about because it's just even if that's not always the case that is how we evaluate it yeah. and what I you know, on the subject of, of status is can you have high status without those benefits? You know, and I feel like that that's an interesting thing because I always like the idea of lower status stuff because and he says here that lower status has free movement because people have nothing else to left to lose. Uh-huh. The downside there is that it, it has no cultural power because there is no risk uh, involved. Right. But I, I definitely think that this is. I, I, I love that idea that that, that, that the lower status people what, have I, that have that freedom. I mean, yeah, but does it wouldn't that just kind of be wouldn't that just kind of fall under like um like lower st- or like high status within an in group, um, but not high status within like just the mainstream, which is something that the book talks about. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But, I mean, there's also just lower status in general, right? Like, we've been talking about this whole idea of, like, nerds versus, like, untouchables. Yeah. And and that's where I think of, like, I mean, if you want to talk about the ability to do cultural movements, you know, or, or just 
partake in things like you are afforded more freedom when you are an untouchable versus you are a yeah well i think right i I, social hierarchy i sent the clip in the discord chat i don't know if we want to watch that but i think that this is something um that 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 i kind of thought about when reading the book but i think i i don't know how much david w marks uh cares about nerds like and stuff like that like i was reading like on the notes here you were talking about how um like you think that uh like nerd culture is built on the internet and things are still cool anime was not cooler before and i think that that's true i don't think that anime was like cooler and like and and in the 80s and that cooler people were into it in the 80s or anything like that but i think i would say it's the opposite now where it's cool to be into anime now than it it was sure yes but what i think that what marx might say it's always weird saying marx like um Mm -hmm. um but i think what marx would say is that um cooler things now the cool the cool things now are not as cool as cool things in the past were and sure and I think that's probably more the point of this, right? But I mean, like, but that that, like, where does it go? If we're talking about how culture proliferates now, I feel like you have to talk about how cool things are now, you know? Like, if this whole thing, if if his conceit, and this is something I was going to get into, like this whole idea that, you know, we have like the monoculture now, which is still technically true, um, but that we're in some kind of like deficit um, that almost feels nihilistic. I feel like it's, it almost ignores some of the. Um, or it doesn't give due credit to some of the bigger cultural movements or, or, or interesting cultural movements that we have today. And I think it's all under the guise of like, you know, nothing has staying power. He, he keeps saying that nothing today has like cachet, right? Cachet? Mm-hmm. Cachet. Um, how do you pronounce that word? Um, and, and I think I mean, my whole thing to this is, and, and he does say in the beginning that not everyone falls into, into these rules. Like not maybe everyone really follows them, but Again, the implicit theme of it is like, if it doesn't have it, it's not worth doing. And it just, like, there's a lot of things that just don't have status making moves. And I, people do that all the time. Yeah. And, and I think, it, and it's also, I, if we want to talk about like where to go with this, I think more people should do those things that don't require, sta- that don't give you status benefits. I do think that they should have taste and passion involved. I, th- I, but independent of if if you're gonna be, you know, famous afterward or whatever. I I still think like I I still think that this book is kind of, kind of agreeing with you there because again mm-hmm. I think that he's just saying that the, that, the the same thing the things that like I don't know like I was re- I was reading that passage earlier, um about the Lana Del Rey thing. Let me, yes. let me try to find that and i think like i said i think that 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 um i think was a good summary um man this fucking search function on this is so bad um is uh is a good summary of this um esteem is not infinite every optimist embrace of lana del rey is sometime energy enthusiasm and status value denied to a lesser known creator putting less uh immediately comprehensible art uh, blah 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 blah. The, uh, let me see the next thing uh, that I that I thought was good, but uh, he goes on to say, "I am so good at vamping." 
Uh, well, anyway, I think again, like I think that his his point is not that um, there's there's nothing good out there. I think his point is that the the good stuff doesn't doesn't get as popular anymore. But I think that that's I mean, if that's the case, I still don't have an issue with that. Like it's like I think the I think the issue there is because if I'm coming at this from a low status viewpoint, yeah. it's like. Nothing like I, everything I liked is low status. So what's the big deal if people don't like what do well, I feel be, bad again? Like, I'm should I feel bad? I, I don't want to frame this whole discussion that we do around movies, but that's like just I don't know. Like the argument that you make with movies is like the reason that you'd be sad that the Marvel movies dominate the box office um, is like even if martin scorsese is still able to make marvel movie or not marvel movies oh god <laughs> if he's still able to make movies for like netflix that get uh, a limited theatrical release or whatever or like paul thomas anderson is still out there or there's movies like tar or something like that like yeah like there like there's not gonna be the next martin scorsese like there's not gonna be the same artist of that caliber that sticks around for the next 50 or 60 years and like like makes makes movies of that quality because the 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 movie making machine just doesn't doesn't allow for that anymore um and uh and i don't know that there's uh let's we'll, we'll get into it <laughs> i mean i guess i mean my again my the, the good thing about this is that I've always thought about this because it's like it's like looking at the whole thing of, of John Williams, right? Uh -huh. This is a good example about like status culture where if you look at like, you know, there there just isn't a need for another John Williams. Movies don't require another John Williams, right? Just like how if, if we're talking about the way movies are going, uh, you don't you know, they don't you don't need a Martin Scorsese. But and like I don't it, know, like you don't need it. But don't you think the world would be like a richer place artistically if there was another person who could do like it was I the think, same level of artist as like John Williams? I think there are composers like John Williams. They're just not scoring movies. Okay. And I think and I think that that's that's I, I I've had to struggle with that for my whole life because that is the number one art thing that I've had to like be a part of, right? Film mm -hmm. score or just orchestral composition. And if we've as a as a film score community have been like, well there's not gonna be there's literally not gonna be another John Williams, I think it's fine because it's like there are still good composers out there making music. It's just not attached to a movie. And I think also like, you know, there's also like John Williams wouldn't exist without Steven Spielberg, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's that whole dynamic to it too. Like there's I think there's a lot about like just the taste in not just the audiences, but the taste in the creators as well. It's like, you know, in, in the romantic period, and people say like, oh, well, this isn't Beethoven. Like, I'm, every, every era has had something similar to that. And I can understand that the issue would be like, okay, well, what's the next thing? And even at the end of the book, Marx doesn't know what's going to happen next, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know how... The, the, the internet is so new, and, and, and everything is, is going by super quickly that we don't know... We can't accurately look at, like, how culture... Is going to change next. What is going to be the next thing with main with main uh, with mainstay, right? And it could just define the way it is. Like I mean, film scores today are like, oh yeah, it's like it's like a gateway to classical music. Back then, opera composers hated film scores because they were like, this is like pop stuff. It's, it's like lessening the the impact of orchestra music, right? Or you know, or same thing with opera with like play like stage plays you know or or like like the like the uh, operettas and and, and yeah. musicals and etc. And so, 
the only difference here is the internet, right? And I mean, for better or for worse, for me, again, as someone who I think of as low status, and we'll get into the mentor part in the second half of this, I, if everything takes effort to get into when you're low status, I think it just means that everything is on a level playing field now. Like, you don't, you don't get to go to the movie theater and just see a good film. Like, you have to find it. You know, just like, just like how I guess today, like, you know, to like, like books, right? Like, you know, like your Barnes Noble is not going to have every book, you know, and, you, and this is, a, this is fine criticism against Barnes Noble too, but like, you know, you'll have to go to like an indie bookstore or a specialty bookstore to find those things. And again, I think that that's not the, that's, that's not necessarily a problem. And I don't think that the book is saying that's a problem. And that's also like, you know, how it's always been like, you know, the big box stores like Barnes and Noble. Um, have always, you know, had a limited selection, and then you would have to seek out the more interesting places. But I mm. think, the, again, the point is that, like, the more interesting places, like the specialty bookstores, um, are getting pushed out by the big box stores, <laughs> and they don't exist anymore. And so, like, the, yeah, yeah, I guess the the ultimate like thing to say is like, well, there's the internet for that, like, you know, and there is the internet. But I think the point is that there there's a difference between just going to a website and like going to like a, a, a an indie bookstore used bookstore and like getting to know the staff and getting to know the other people that go there and stuff like that. There's just like a difference um, between those two experiences. And I think uh, it, it's not a value judgment on them, but I think it's, it's uh, you, you could be sad that, that it's, you're not going to get that same community experience anymore. Right. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I guess as someone who's always liked really weird things, it's like, it's just all these things are gone. <laughs> you know what I uh-huh. mean? Like, like, like over time, like, you know, I mean, I've also, I've also like never experienced that. Like other than, I don't know. I think I've experienced some like community and like menswear and vintage and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I just wish there was more stuff, more opportunities for that. Um, and I think that that is kind of, I don't know. I think that that's, that, that is an issue that, um, if you, if you, if when you spend time, like reading a lot about like, you know, the, reading a lot about history, you do, there is just kind of a decline, like a noticeable decline in things like, you know, uh, just kind of community, uh, oriented things in this country over the last like 50 years or something, or since like the, like, you know, the, the sixties or seventies, I guess. Yeah, I guess I guess the real the real question is like, would you get into it if you didn't have that ability, uh-huh. right, to find a community? And if we're talking about this and recording it to menswear, it's like, it's interesting for other people to have relied on a community to get into things, whereas you and I, at least in the beginning, did not have that to get into. Mm-hmm. Like we we got into this because purely because of our own taste, you know, and and then the community like came afterward because we just hung out and then we invited people to hang out you know i guess you could say it's it's similar to uh his whole thing about like you know when you don't when you don't when when the current culture is not representative of your values you create your own thing right mm-hmm. like you that, that's where subcultures that's where subcultures come from and um, he kind of he kind of used that throughout the, the book i think as far as um like i know at the beginning he he mentions local status versus global status. Right. Yeah. Where it was kind of like local status is, you know, in your own, 
in if your you own can't s- achieve global status, you know, you'll you'll create local status. Yeah, know, in your like own that. space or in your own like niche uh, versus like to strangers, I guess. Like, you know, that's the best right, way. Right, right. B- best way to 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 put put uh, global status. Right, and I think you know, despite I I wish there was more specific examples of the innovation of niche cultures, um, as, or at least innovation of like movements. Uh, you know, I think again we talk about the the Beatles haircut thing, um, but I do like how in the book he does try and this the the biggest distinctions come with the old versus new money stuff. You know, where it's like like being cons- like conspicuous consumption and everything, where like you're trying to signal things. Like there's a whole. I mean, one of the themes of the book is that everything that you do has um, signals about where you are in status and where you aspire to be. Yeah. I don't think that that's the case, obviously, with with most things. But you know, I like how he says like sometimes the boldest acts of distinction can be imitation. Like it's not. It has. There's no novelty or innovation within it. Mm-hmm. And then one something I like that's also similar is like when someone can't tell good instruments from a bad one, it's not taste. They just have poor judgment. Like, and I, I mean, I guess those are two kind of similar things because I feel like to judge something, you have to have taste. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. And I think that's like kind of the other, the other point that I agreed with and it was, God damn it. I don't want to fucking lose this, lose this goddamn page, but uh, let me let me find the other quote so I can get the uh, the actual thing. But yeah, the the he he talks about a, a laid back amateurism um, that yeah. he, he sees in culture, and I, I I don't know I I I don't I I do think that there is kind of this like very anti intellectual attitude that I see a lot. And we we're talking a little about this before we recorded, and I I managed to actually find exactly a tweet that illustrates that um where um someone someone just uh posted someone just tweeted out i rarely think movies are bad because i watch them for fun rather to anal- than to analyze them with like a smug emoji <laughs> um and then and then a bunch of people um just talk like the pacing was too slow the dialogue was awkward the cinematography was bad bro it's just a pretty picture have a good time and i don't know like when i see that stuff it like makes me very sad because i'm like why don't you want things to be better like why don't you want things to be good like yeah come on (laughs) like there's a good there's a good uh quote here from 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 marx where he says like the ideal right is do you have to have a conscious desire to learn more after acquiring the palette Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what that I think, you know, one of the things I agreed on is like, you know, if, if people were just educated more, like not to be a victim blamer in terms of like culture, but I do think that if we could just have the audience be more aware of these things. And I guess if, if it's a really uh, sarcastic Twitter example, I mean, being being conscious of how all the stuff is bad and then yeah. still enjoying it i think that there's honestly merit in that because i think mg and i we talked about this before we're like we can watch a lot of movies and enjoy it but we also know that it's bad and we also know that that's a reflection on us because it shows where we put our value in it i think that that's better than someone ignoring those things and then saying i enjoy it it's you know just what i mean a pretty picture yeah it's just a pretty picture i think that 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 kind of reduces everything to just enjoyment which i don't always agree with mm. um and I think that kind of brings me to another point that I liked where he talks about uh, kitsch and how kitsch stuff is like lowbrow and acceptable. And it's kitsch 
the the reason why Kitch will never will never get, uh, bring you status points, which is also the reason why I don't really feel threatened by the whole Marvel thing or the whole monoculture example, is mm. because we all kind of know that Kitch doesn't provide you more status. But I and by that I mean it's like when you say you like a Marvel movie today, even today people still have judgment about Marvel movies. Like even if you really enjoy it. There, I do think that people still can be like, oh, like it's it's still not cinema. The other side, though, is that I do think that these people are trying to change it so it is that. Mm-hmm. But you know, like the whole like uh, like Black Panther for winning like the the People's Choice Oscar or something like that, I think, no, which that I think was, is like that was the Flash entering the Speed Force. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> but I think I think that that, that was a really good. That was a really good point where, like, I think, you know, people can still agree. Because, like, I when, when I wrote the article on taste, which preceded, like, by six months, uh, that preceded uh, Derek's article, by the way. Um, but, like, I, I did talk about how, like, there's nothing wrong with a Marvel movie, but you just have to be aware that it's just not, like, cinema. And at this point in time, people still believe that. And I guess, I guess the fear here is that the more it proliferates, the more it will come to... To define yeah. the uh, to define culture, but my my I guess my not optimism, but like my my I guess my idealistic hope is that the fact that we have uh, especially brought this up like the whole like you know old movies like like we still quote like when Harry Met Sally today, um, I think it's just proof that people will always have that as a frame of reference, and people will just will still not be able, well, people will be able to see that the old stuff or the good stuff is still marketably different than what's coming out right now uh-huh. mm. um and i that 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 to me gives me the hope that you know again we're not completely lost here like the, <laughs> the, the 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 fact that old stuff you know and maybe this is like an old money's uh correlation here where he talks about like you know like like old money the ideals of old money are still ring true today like the whole you know um patina and everything like that yes. right we still we still keep that patina. i think that the the patina of of like you know old movies and and their celebration is still proof that we still have this taste like there's still cultural taste yeah and mm. i i it's like you know good that i, I think the point the point is that it's like it would be it, it would be nice if the if levers of power of no the levers <laughs> of power and culture allowed more things like that to be created today um and uh yeah hold on i'm um yeah no i mean it's (laughs) i mean i I, at the end of the book i want to get to the second half here but like Uh um he does say like you know he does have some solutions right like i think one thing i really liked was reducing the effectiveness of signaling which is something i believe in like i like to dilute or make people aware of all these things to make it just to make sure that people kind of like forget about it right like Mm -hmm. like i think that you know one of the things that forced Abercrombie to change was just years and years of, unfortunately, right, like immigrants uh, coming there and just buying the name emblazoned like Abercrombie or Hollister or whatever. And it became a different look that combined with the whole like, you know, only hire pretty people thing. And, yeah. and of course, like all, all the frat stuff, all this kind of come together to dilute the effectiveness of the signal of whatever that is. And, and it forced them to change, right? It forced Abercrombie to get better for a little bit. Um, and of course, you know, it's it's up to personal taste whether you like it now or not. But I think that that's a really interesting idea where if we apply that and you know weaponize it against maybe detrimental ideas of 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 culture, um, 
I think it's good. I mean, it's it's why we still continue to make fun of Marvel movies and people who enjoy Marvel movies and like and Disney adults too, mm-hmm. right? I like I am curious to see if like if Disney eventually if you know going to Disney is a meme and that's because Disney made it so you can go to Disneyland every fucking day and people go every fucking day and people still pay for it. But if, if this like this cultural teasing still happens, I'm wondering if it's, if we're able to kind of, you know, um kind of snap out of it. Like I think like the Marvel scores got better after that whole and, and that's saying it, it's a direct correlation here. But like there was that, that article that video about um why Marvel scores sucked back then, yeah, right? Yeah. And now, and at least now, I mean, the, the thematic narrative is all over the place. But at least they have the Avengers theme as like a rallying cry to go to go with, right? I think that was kind of a step in that direction. Um, he also talks about promoting cultural creativity. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, promoting con- contributions to culture. I think that that's cool. I think it came a little bit late in his book, but I think that that's an important part of this. Where you know, it's it it can't just be about. Why isn't this made like this anymore? You know, I think I think obviously it's the whole I mean Yelp review thing, or I think a, a word of mouth where like, you know, a guy who has a good time at your restaurant might tell one people, but a guy who has a bad time will tell ten people about how much this sucked. You know, mm-hmm. and I and not to, not to idealize this whole thing, but like to be able to talk about the good parts of current culture might be might be what people might be what inspires people. You know, I think that like. You know, it sounds cheesy, but, you know, like, you know, like watching like Wes Anderson watching like Tar and being like, OK, well, this is a really good example um, might might be the way to kind of bring that back. The downside is obviously media, like, you know, is all owned by big business. And so they're yeah. not going to talk about this, which I get. I mean, the, re- <laughs> the real the real bad guy here is is capitalism. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, um I, I really liked his talk about complexity. Um, yeah, me too. Kind of wrap this up. Uh, those, this are the, re- those are the quotes that I was trying to find. Yeah. So he says here that complexity is good, yeah. but it doesn't have to be esoteric. And I think that this is really, really good because it reminds me of film score where um, I, I forgot if I made this quote up or I read it somewhere. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for it. But it's, it's the fact that John Williams' scores are orchestrically... Um, like they have a lot of breath to them. They're 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 the the makeup is complex, but mm. you can always hum John Williams. Mm. And I mean, so I think the idea there is like it, there's something to latch onto. There's something recognizable that you can feel, but it's not as like simple as like Hans Zimmer's like um, two note Batman theme, right? Like there's yeah. there is mm. actual there is something deeper in there. And I I know? I really I agree there, and I think because it's like. I, I think you know as a as a movie guy I think I think I say can, can say the same thing from a movie point like you know we were talking about uh, Jaws earlier yes uh, um, great example and I think that yeah that that right there it's like that's not a complex movie that's not an art movie or whatever but it is still like a like like one of the, like that and like you know there's other things like singing in the rain or whatever like that are that are very simple that are but are just like like perfect right movies. there's not like a like it's not like a gimmick kind yeah, of right but, like, like there, and, they, there is a heart to the to the story and, and I guess. I, th- i'm i'm into that like i like i'm into i'm into movies but like i'm into like film or whatever but for the most part the movies that i watch are not like really hard to get into like foreign films or art films or whatever i just like like classic hollywood i guess mm. um and that was just right. a period of just very 
competent mainstream filmmaking. And obviously there were a lot of stinkers that were made um, (laughs) back then. And um, for madness. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of there's, it has the benefit of just time and just like being like, okay, well now we remember these good movies. Um, But as again, as we were talking about before, I think you can also just say there's a, there's a difference in the people that are, 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 that are in charge of art now um where now it's it's it was always about the money but now it's um even less about the art where before right uh for example studio heads would be crazy uh like money freaks like all mr crabs or whatever just a bunch of human mr crabs mr human i would call them um yeah but um they they still they still loved movies or whatever they cared about they cared about movies and wanted to make good movies and like win best picture and stuff like that right um where now it's just it's just all like algorithms deciding what would what would be the best return of on investment or whatever yeah i mean i mean my my response is always with film score where like yeah there's a lot of stinker orchestral scores but at least i mean to give them credit, they were more orchestral than what is coming out right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sorry if it's not as badass as like <laughs> as like uh, Black Adam's score by Lauren Balfe, but hey, <laughs> I still enjoy the in, in, uh, the in, uh, Inspector Gadget score by John Debney. Yeah. It's just more it's just more fun and more interesting than like fucking like guitar electric guitar laid on top of orchestra with brass to be like this is Black Adam with like epic Latin choir, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I get it. I understand with a lot of these this stuff. Um, um I just really quick, we, can we post on the Instagram? Can we take the photo of the Rock? Uh, in the recording studio with Lauren Belf. Um, is there is that a thing? Yeah, let me find that. <laughs> but yeah, he I looks just... he looks huge. It's great. <laughs> is Lauren small? I guess Lauren's like I a don't know, but Asian, the rock like is a, huge. Sorry, an Asian guy. Um, and one thing uh, I also like is that um, he talks about like how referential good cultural movement stuff is. I mean, I think obviously the book goes into both mass culture and how like that kind of is like the death knell for certain things when things, when things go from like a cultural movement to, to just being relegated to being kitsch. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, I like the idea that, you know, like, like um, he makes this, it makes this about art where, you know, yeah, like abstract art, a kid could paint it, but a kid wouldn't be able to do it in reference to older art or as a commentary mm-hmm. on older art. And I think that was a very great point. Um, in defense of abstract art, which I personally enjoy, you know, like that, that's always the thing here where like, yeah, I think Hans Zimmer is, I think Hans Zimmer is the best of them because Hans Zimmer is technically a commentary on John Williams where things are like dumbed down and simpler and more epic. But I think that modern composers like afterward are just doing it in, in imitation of Hans Zimmer as opposed to being an actual commentary, which is why I kind of like Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, at least when they did, when they did um, social network and not what they do now. Um, but yeah, this idea that, that, that complexity is a skillful manipulation of higher order symbols. And I think personally lower symbols too. It, it's just that it's being used in surprising and new ways. Again, yeah. to celebrate this idea of complexity and innovation, I think it's something I wish that we spent more time on and with specific examples of like innovation as opposed to just like status making moves because I don't believe, especially when you if we're going to use this to go on a micro level and talk about niche subcultures, it's important to be to, to evaluate how innovative and how that kind of creativity is able to take hold of a group and not just to be like, Oh, we're just an, in, you know, 
or we're gonna be like the like the Beatles. I think there's a difference between like the Beatles and like I don't know, like something a bit more obviously a bit more niche. Mm-hmm. Um but I think at the end of the day, I agree with them with saying that competence is good. I think competence yeah. in this whole thing is is important because it, it, it being aware of the tropes and being educated on culture um, not not exactly in our in the blueprint that we're talking about, but like just what make up culture, what makes something culturally relevant or culturally good, or what makes up art in general, I think is the real way forward for you to kind of understand. Like again, like that's the difference between like Adam Sandler, who's wearing like jib shorts and a t-shirt, and like maybe like an ALD guy who is, you know, maybe a little bit more commercial, or just a guy doing like a '70s athletic look. I feel like that's uh-huh. always more interesting compared to like my dad wearing old athletic shorts. Yeah. You know? Um, but he says here, we should strive to be aware as much as possible. So it enhances creative endeavors because without it, it becomes shallow or ironic. Um, and I, he finished or the last quote I have is the ability to understand culture is not classist. Creativity is more common than wealth. And I think that that's also absolutely true. And oh, this yeah. goes back to my whole thing of like, I wish people were just, more creative and just did more creative things. And that's honestly what unlocks the rest of this for you. If you are unable to be create, or sorry, if you're unable to access your creativity and create something and you can only consume, of course the, the, your, your enjoyment of something will only be sh- shallow or ironic or, or mm-hmm. as like a shadow of it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, man, I wish we were just recording everything we said <laughs> since we jumped on. <laughs> that's um, fine. But no, extra I'm, long episode. Yeah, extra E L, E L E. That's me, Ellie. Um, yeah. hey, speaking of status and culture, how about The Last of Us? Talk about, <laughs> talk about fucking a good, good game. Um, Isn't there a sex scene in that game? I don't know. There could be if you download yeah. some mods, probably. You're playing the uh, mod game. called Pornhub.com. <laughs> <laughs> Pornhub.biz. Um, Pornhub.com. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, but uh, no, I like I like those quotes. Um, I think this is. I I I I have just been having some discussions with with people I know that um, that teach, and an issue that they've noticed and that. Um, I mean, I think I think that the American school system just doesn't people or doesn't teach people to like really think critically or deeply about anything. Well, um, yeah. And so I think most people just don't really have that to have that skill, which unfortunately a lot of like art kind of requires. Like, if you want to like really like appreciate or understand, um like uh like a complex movie or novel or something or work of art i think you just got you have to have that ability to think critically um which again through no fault of their own i think of a lot of people don't really have a whole lot of experience in um because you don't necessarily need that skill to get through the day (laughs) so you know right there's no there's no status making yeah uh benefits but, but, to, to participating in such a thing but yeah i just think that like you know the way that history and this is i'm not trying to sound like a fucking ranting old old man the a 60 minutes thing or whatever the guy that did that uh something rooney um andy rooney 
Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but no, I just I don't know. I it when when I when I look when I think back on like history classes and like English classes I took where I did listen, I had some like good history classes and English classes, but um still so much of it was just like what happened in this book? <laughs> like what are the like narrative events of this book? Like and 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 not really doing any like, you know, any deeper readings of anything. Um, but maybe that's just an indictment of my personal education <laughs> rather and I'm making it a systemic issue. I mean, here, here's but, the thing too, right? Yeah. I mean, if you want to compare this to our Christian, my Christian education, and maybe this is all, this is our, <laughs> the reason why we pay attention to this stuff and maybe why we perceive it as a necessary force in our, in our own cultural navigation is because we don't Christian, Christian, Christianity rejects mainstream rejects most culture honestly it rejects mainstream culture and it rejects niche culture because you also don't want to be too weird either and i feel like that that kind of makes this particularly important i guess you know for me you know and why i'm not i i i have no issue with the with the work that, that you have to put into it because i feel honestly i feel like if i didn't go to a christian school I feel, and I went to public school, I don't think I would have had this discernment of taste. Yeah. I feel like I might have been mid. Like, I would have been a regular guy, because I feel like I wouldn't have this this, this, uh, this need to kind of stand out, or at mm. least to make myself find something that makes me passionate about. I, I feel uh, like there's something in me that's hardwired to be obnoxious in the way that I am. Um, <laughs> where I think that um, if, I, if I was born, like, you know, if I was born, like, 50 years earlier or something, I would still... I, I I don't think I think I was I don't think I would ever be just like a mainstream like you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna be into like the top 40 kind of guy um I I think that's just how I my brain works do, do, do you guys also think um I, I th I'm getting away from the book a little bit here but yeah. do you guys think also uh you picked that up from from your parents because I don't think so well, um, uh, maybe for for me, for me, that's that's my answer too. Uh, the school, I could I could agree with the school thing for well, with Ethan as well. Um, as far as uh, picking it up for my parents, they were also like kind of, you know, particular well, taste for like, you know, certain things. Um, and this is yeah, that's not to cut you off, MJ, but I feel like because. Um, one of the things about being like the descendant of immigrants, something that we kind of talked about with uh, with uh, the Asian American episode, is that it kind of t attunes you more to culture because it it does put everything in a value judgment of how is this going to affect your status in in this world. Like I think for I know for me, my parents were like you know they, they, my parents were kind of tapped into the culture a little bit, uh, American mm -hmm. culture, and they were pretty artsy because they didn't want to be like they they didn't want to be just like regular Asian Americans who don't not not assimilate but who don't partake. And I think right. that's also a privilege thing as well. Where like my grandparents, when you're when you move here when you're pregnant and you have to get a job at whatever hospital is going to have you, you don't have time to go to the movies. Right. You don't have time to like consume anything. I mean they did, but it was more for, for enjoyment. And then when you have like my parents where okay now you're the kid of this thing now you're you know you're at a college where a lot of people are white and you want to be able to partake in that conversation and have a you know have have your own status in in the hierarchy of 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 college youth and, and as a working adult you do need to have things that have cash 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 it cash it cash it is cash okay yeah. mm -hmm. 
I, oh, I'm thinking of cash, like a cash of weapons. That's why I'm, I'm like, thinking of cash, like money. Yeah. Like green. Um, money but I think mind. when it comes to stuff like that, you know, it, it, it does, you know, that's why my parents were like, they wanted to be at the opera. They wanted to travel because not only is it something that my grandparents didn't do, but my grandparents just didn't have the need and their, their status was, def- was defined by just their monetary security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now my, my parents have, okay, well, I don't want to be just a regular person. I mean, it, it, it and you, you literally, you literally are battling two different cultural, yeah. um, value propositions. Cause obviously in Asian American cultures, like even, even today, like you talk to like people from like Taiwan or whatever, like it, it's very, you know, money driven. That's why there's, there's a whole, like, you know, like the whole new money thing with conspicuous consumption happens a lot with like international students. Cause like mm-hmm. you have that, but then you, you have that less when you have like the descendants of those people. And then mm-hmm. when you have people like me, where it's like, you know, generation of 1.2, cause technically I'm not, I, I was born here. My parents weren't. So they, they weren't, they're mm-hmm. not generation two. They are the yeah. first generation to come over here. Um, I have to navigate this as well of like, okay, being, being aware of both of the, uh, both of their, um, fights or conflicts with status and trying to find out where I fit into this whole thing. Um, and I think that's, that I, I personally think that that is something that is more unique with minority um, communities yeah. and, 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 and stuff because you, your, your culture is literally not the mainstream culture. You're always going to have to yeah. decide what of mainstream culture you're going to opt into versus a white person or, or a person, at least a person who's like born here for gen- mm-hmm. and their family's been here for generations who don't have to worry about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, slightly off topic, but this, I do think, you know, if we're talking about the leeway you are afforded within your status hierarchies and everything, I personally think like white people are able to be anyone that they wanted as opposed to, a, uh, you know, immigrant or minority cultures where being that kind of archetype is not is is, is more difficult right like mm-hmm. i think some some of them kind of adopted and became a part of the culture like i think in la there's a really big skating culture with the latino community right mm-hmm. and it, it would be it's it's odd to have like an asian skater back then because like you would be like not only are you asian but you're, you're doing you're doing something that's not typical of your ethnic or cultural group right mm-hmm. and nowadays when i talk about the indianization of culture um i just think that more indie as a culture as has elements that are now being ad- that are now being adopted by other subgroups, I guess within the within the United States. But I'm just saying, like how we're we're finally at a, at a point, probably thanks to the internet, where we are able to have these like status hierarchy uh, shifts, and 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 people can opt into different statuses and different uh, different cultural groups with more ease than they were before. Yeah. So that's kind of like the the new the new thing. What um, what would grant someone more status? A single bacon cheeseburger from five guys or five mcdonald's quarter pounders which is the yeah. same which is essentially the same price right if you well, saw well, if which... you saw if you saw a guy sitting by himself at a lunch table and he had one of those one five guys burger or five mcdonald's hamburgers who who well, is the higher status person here, here's your thing. Are they old money or new money, Spencer? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say who's been um, around longer. <laughs> that's a good question. What? Yeah, what's the old money move? Is it to get the one burger, the five McDonald's hamburgers? Yeah. I, 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 will I say think it's that... the five ones because then you take one home to eat later because you <laughs> yeah. don't, need, you don't need it, right? You and, don't need all of it. And if we're staying with the with the uh, old money, new money parallel, 
uh, I would say the quarter pounder is uh, more culturally impactful than the uh, okay. uh, <laughs> five guys making. That's right. Burger. Why? Did, yeah, yeah, that's that's my big issue is he didn't talk enough about um he didn't he didn't talk enough about hamburgers in this one. Right. Well, yeah. Too many. Uh, um, dogs. Something I, I I liked his observation that um I don't know I just thought the the rarities versus novelties thing. Uh, I liked I, mm. again. That was just kind of a, an, an observation that I've like. Oh, hey, that's just something that I've seen that I have never just been able to put into words before. But that was a lot of this book for me. Just like, like I I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm uh, hopefully not going to be embarrassed when this episode comes out and sound like a freaking Joker talking about how everyone in the damn world is a sheep. Um, but uh, I think a lot of this book. Yes, I think, my shepherd. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like the that guy who was friends with um, Lennon and another guy who who was that mustache guy at the end. Do you know his name? Uh, you know. Yeah. And your name? <laughs> who knows? But anyway, um, <laughs> no. But I think yeah, a lot of this book was again. I I just I I enjoyed all the little historical anecdotes, and a lot of it were just observations that. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, I think that this is just kind of a a, a, a general observation, like it's I, that is that is for the most part that is true in most cases. Um, that I've, I, I've just yeah. never been able to put into words. Like again, all this stuff about, like obviously, yeah, like status has material benefits, um, but it's just nice that he was able to, like, in a couple paragraphs. Or, you know, I mean, I guess probably more than a couple paragraphs, my, but see, my, uh, a couple hundred yeah. pages. Put that into Again, words. Again, I guess I wish there was more detail. Like, I wish it wasn't as broad as it was, you know? Uh-huh. Like, that's that's always going to be my thing. And I guess we can move on to... All right, I spent, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, it, it kind of, like, like Spencer was saying, just kind of put into words what... Uh, similar thoughts we already had um things like conventions you know uh like we do or we say things um to kind of like um immerse or fit ourselves into like our intended niche or in our you know our desired uh subculture um there's that chapter off uh, it's literally called taste and authenticity Uh so you yeah. know, it's it's not like it was. It, it's not like any of the information was necessarily new or the concepts. Um, uh, I mean, um, yeah, it was more of a just kind of like explaining why we think that way or how we think a certain way, um, which is good. Um, uh, yeah, I like I like that, that there, part you know? as well. The thing mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting, which reminded me of stuff that we talked about as well, um, was the uh, when when he talks about like how there are no fads or trends that don't have names, um, and that just kind of reminded me of like you know you talk about the Abed brain or it's like you know just an obsessive need to index and like um, break down every like facet of something. Uh, yeah. into like tropes or whatever um that's what i was thinking of yeah yeah no i mean it's the book has a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. um and we do need to get into our menswear discussion on this now oh uh, man yeah because we're we're already an hour in here 
Um, but yeah. So we uh, our management discussion is going to be framed around our very good friends, uh, uh, <laughs> JTR <laughs> and Jeremy Ostriker. I was gonna say I was gonna say James Ostriker, but that's not his name. Um, but yeah, he states thank you to them for sending us these discussion topics. Um, and we'll try and get through these. Uh, how do you think that things signal more masculinity play into feelings of status? Like, I guess his example is James Dean's rock star being low formality but high status. Um, I think what, what's interesting that I, th- you know, obviously Marx does kind of go into these like trailblazer innovator stuff a little bit. I wish there was, again, more examples of this because, I mean, even before James Dean, the precedent there was um, was it Clark Gable wearing not wearing a t- an undershirt? Yeah, he took off his shirt, and then then you have like oh whoa that that's crazy, and then you have James Dean wearing what is basically underwear as like his main look the whole time, right? The t shirt with like um, with just jeans. I definitely think all of this is explained within the framework of the book of does it have social benefit to you? Does it increase your status at all? And I think with innovators it's hard to tell what's going to happen because it, it's just, a, it just depends on the sentiment of society at the time. Yeah. Right. I like think, there's a lot. There's, yeah. Well, well, I, I was just going to say like, yeah, I think that the, the, the James Dean, like rock star thing or whatever, that's just like, that's just a different type of, I guess, masculine virtue, I guess, other than, like, but besides the, uh, I put in our terms, like, very, like, you know, Esquire man, um, like, upper class, like, you know, like, business magnate or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that's just, that's just always been, um, been a thing, uh, where what, it's, like, like, you yeah, know, I don't know. What were you to say? Well, I would say one of the th- one of the critiques on the book was like it doesn't really take into account other cultural things happening at the exact same time, which makes society primed for that cultural movement. Um, I I can't recall if he actually did do that. I mean, from when I when I was reading this review, I felt like that was how I felt as well. But it's like you know, if we're thinking of like James Dean or or any kind of other example, it's like you know, what's the demographic happening, right? Like I think more people were maybe younger who are watching films or, or, or there's more of a rebellious attitude. I mean, think of like Ford V Ferrari in that scene where like people don't want the Ford. They want the fucking James Bond car, right? Like well, they gotta yeah, be cooler. Like obvi- and, obviously the parents didn't like James Dean, but like the teens likes James Dean. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think it just, I, I, I don't know how much of the book is, is, um, contributes cultural success, I guess, to, just prime moments in, 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 in society where these things can happen. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, we can like trace menswear back to like Mad Men, but I think like Mad Men is definitely like, is like post Sopranos prestige TV. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, or like Breaking Bad, like Breaking Bad and Mad Men were like, like the good TV of like 2007. I I think Breaking Bad came out after Mad Men. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or uh, was Mad Men still airing? I mean, Mad Men. Ended Mad, up Men in Mad Men started, I think, in about 2007, and I'm pretty sure Breaking Bad started in 2008. 2010. Oh, 2008. Okay, yeah. 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 So, but, like, there are things like that where, like, I don't think a Mad Men show could have happened before The Sopranos or even at that time, right? Or and I don't think that the hashtag menswear could have happened any any other time as well. Um, so I think again, when, when it becomes a discussion about like menswear moves like that, or or even things that are a, bit, a lot more um 
you know jarring for the culture like let's let's take like like skirts and men's wearing exam or just men wearing skirts in general <clears throat> men have been wearing skirts for a long time there have been guys who wore skirts you know like i mean skirts were also a big thing in like the punk scene right yeah. like the pla- i mean i guess those mm-hmm. were more like kilts if you want to call it that but like but now like you can't i other than like queer people wearing them now you have Harry Styles, and you can call that co-opting of queer culture if you want. I think it's definitely true. Like he's like a pasty white man is kind of being the poster child of this subversive thing. But like the acceptance of it is that we're just primed right now in this moment. I think you can definitely trace it, but there's a lot of other stuff at play versus just simply, you know, whether or not you can benefit from it. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, that also plays into if you're going to participate in it. Um how, here's another one. Here's this one from JTR in a very yeah. broad question. How do you think status relates to how you choose to dress? Um, I, I, well, I think as we were saying before, I don't think that my, I, I, I people, people like the, well, people, when they see me, generally, the perception they get of me is the fancy guy or well-dressed guy or whatever or at least guy that cares about clothes um i don't dress because i want people to think of me that way i'm glad that people think of me that way i guess because it's accurate that i do care about clothes um i don't think it's accurate that i'm like the fancy guy or whatever anytime they show me a picture of a guy that's dressed like the one slur or something and they're like this looks like you and i'm like i don't don't think so (laughs) but um but that's that's not the reason that's not the reason I dress. Um, I mean, I think I think that there are contexts where it's like I definitely I definitely think more about how others are perceiving me when I'm dressing like for work, for example, um, if I'm going to be like actually like interviewing people or like having meetings with people and stuff like that. But on a day to day basis, uh, I dress because I like the clothes. Um, and if people think good things about me for it, that is a byproduct that I appreciate, but it is not um, necessarily what I was going for. MJ, what about you? Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, I I do think I... Well, less about um, gaining or looking for status. Um, more More on the signaling side that he mentions in the book where it's kind of like um you know you the the people that know know you know right um you're aware of that of that phenomenon yeah because like you know also like we're in a hobby that it's kind of like you know a lot of people wouldn't look look twice at to be honest whereas like if if we dressed more um you know loudly i guess it's kind of like a uh um people can assume that you're like trying to do something you know um right versus uh people that are in in like the niche subcultures that uh see those those details are those things that um that we do uh kind of you know it's kind of like a uh <laughs> a hat tip you know right, for, for right, lack of right. a better lack of a better term versus like um you know i i'm trying to try to boost my uh my, my status among you know certain groups of people 
Right, right. I think I think that that idea there is a hat, you know with a hat tip and being aware of things is interesting because we're talking about this from a post hashtag menswear perspective, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're in a like style form. Everything already exists, but the the difference there is that Spencer and I got into this before we were aware of such things. Mm. Like we kind of like I posted a fit pick. I mean, I mean the the term fit pick kind of grew during the pandemic. It's always been around, but like I I posted an outfit picture because you take a picture of yourself when things are nice. And so you post like, it, it's just, it always came from like that hobbyist mindset, you know? And I think that's why some of the original fit picks, as we talked, discussed in our fit pick episode were like chest shots, mm-hmm. right? Spencer was like the, the leader of that one. I was the leader um, of chest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing here is that okay. first yeah. off for me to answer this own question of how status relates to how I choose to dress. I think that I am always low status because even among our discord and everything, I still make choices. Even in my own group, I make choices that are not, the mainstream i think that I, mm. I i do things that are just not as uh, well um I, I i'm not gonna be the one i'm not gonna sit here and say that you're like high status or whatever but i think that the, i think that your role is i guess tastemaker or cultural critic or something which like uh, that, that that doesn't mean that everything that you do uh people are going to copy but people do, I think, val people people. Well, your I, your opinion holds more weight than just like a random like Instagram commenter. I guess so. I mean, because I even if we're using this book as an example here, and I guess there isn't that much uh, commentary on the role of cultural critics w- mm-hmm. within taste in the book. I mean, he does hint at it a little bit, but there isn't like we need more examples of like when a person decides this, how does how did culture move from that? I think it's also hard to, to do those things because people yeah. all famously rebel against those you, things in general. Watch, you got to watch the man, we should watch it before should have said something or sent it before, but the, uh, the Fran, Fran Lebowitz clip. I did watch that one. Yeah. yeah. About how all the people who were making those things like died or at least made those decisions and made uh-huh. the, um, uh, who are making making those making the actual culture stuff and were commentating on it? They all died, and then he, yep. it was left to like, would say like the third or fourth people afterward uh-huh. who were like kind of left to to kind of make everything else. Um, but yeah, I guess. Well, to my point here is that when I'm reading the book and we're trying to define, um, you know, the benefits of of high status or 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 what happens when you do something in pursuit of status, I still don't feel like I have got any of those things so it's hard for me to think about like oh well i'm dressing to elevate my status because mm-hmm. i i think how i dress not that it defies status but it's it makes it's a weird if you're aware of it it's a weird decision to do the things that i do yeah and i'm specifically referring to what i believe is like my actual like not my actual style but like my everyday style which is tailoring even among tailoring people i still make decisions that they would not do mm. not not that it's like crazy but they just wouldn't like they wouldn't do that thing you know um and so like that's how i've always seen how i dress and it, it's also because like i house i have like the weirdest context compared to mj and spencer i see less people than they do and there is none of this there is no signaling there i I don't really have co-workers and the fact that i've also been doing this maybe slightly before spencer did but also i was older also plays into the fact of like i've already been weird for a longer amount of time where i don't really value the perception of other people because it doesn't really play into me and especially now Mm. i don't enjoy anything traditional from myself like you don't see us making a collaboration with anybody you know, like it just doesn't happen anymore. 
Um, and if, if we're answering who I want status from, I mean, I don't really need, I, I mean, depends on like if, if it's kudos or not. Like, I mean, I guess if you want people to say, give you a thumbs up, then yeah, sure. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great to get that. And if we're thinking about that specifically, I love it when a regular person, a person who is not in my own subculture can appreciate what I'm up to. It's, it's like if I, it's like when I write music, I don't write great film score because I don't, because I'm bad, but I don't write, I don't write music. Um, well, I guess I don't write music for anyone because I listen to it for myself. So that's the, that's the, first of all, that's the biggest thing. I, I, I get dressed and I make music to look at myself in the mirror and listen to myself and go, good job, Ethan, you're doing it. So it's myself. Uh, the other part though, is like if someone who is not me, who is not a composer, can still understand these concepts and get it. That to me is a person I'm doing this for. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what culture, what subculture that is, or how to translate that to status. But I think it's like it's nice when, like, if MJ or Spencer could be like, "Oh yeah, there's the you should be dancing theme." Like when you when you're able to get that idea from my Warzone piece, it's like, "Oh, I'm doing my job here, where I'm I'm making something that you can that can transcend." Um, subcultures yeah. you know mm -hmm. i i get like someone when someone i know um was at a museum and they sent a picture of like a soldier in world war ii wearing big khakis and a chambray shirt and said look it's you and i was like oh they actually get this <laughs> versus yeah. versus no, yeah. the person showing like a fancy like fucking like like hashtag menswear wedding suit and saying like, right oh this is so you yeah, I mean, I remember this. This is even years ago, where a guy from a Nerf group I would I would go to a lot. He messaged me saying, "What do you call the hobby that you're into?" Because I wouldn't say it's like dapper or like being fancy. Because like you don't do that, and I, and I was like, "Yo, wow!" Like I mean, he's not using like terms. He's obviously unfamiliar. But I'm like, you're getting that this is different than the posturing hashtag menswear. At least at the time, the hashtag menswear like iGent kind of approach, and. Yeah, I mean, I I, I almost say I dress for those people, but I guess that the messaging that I have is for those people, or that's at least how I measure success. And if we call, I don't know if that's even a benefit. That's not even like I'm not enjoying anything from that other than like, I, than me feeling proud yeah. of myself. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, it it's not you know? a it's not the answer for the. Uh, are you is is status a factor for why you or how you dress? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even then, I still think of myself as low status because if we're going by the stuff, I I look at it as how many people are into doing this thing. Are you getting notoriety? I guess you could I, say that. I think. And are you getting material benefits? From I it? think. Which is, I think no. it's just. I think it's just like the. It's a difference in the the in group status and out group status or whatever. Because I think I would say that menswear is a place where unless you are the tippy top of the status chain. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, yeah, but I mean, we're not. We're no, not I'm not saying. Either. I'm not saying we're at the tippy top at it. Or, yeah, but because we don't. Again, I understand that we don't get like we don't have sponsors well, for a podcast. We don't have the, the whatever. But right. it's like you know, you, you've gotten like a couple of free pairs of shoes. That's like maybe that's lower middle <laughs> tier. Maybe <laughs> I guess. I guess. Well, I guess for <laughs> even in that vein, I also look yeah. at it as as like. Um, because if you're not if you're not at the top, that means you're dressing to signal things to other people. I don't I don't think I wear and I, I don't I'm not trying to be willfully obtuse on this, mm -hmm. but I'm not wearing something to go f for a guy to go. Oh, that's a that's a that's a thirty shirt. No, I know that. I'm just saying. And I'm I, just saying. I mean, no, I'm, like I'm, within the menswear world, I think 
again, and I'm, <laughs> it's not a val. It's just people. I think people do value your opinion. Um, I guess so. And I so mean, I... that that is a certain level of status, I'd say. And again, I'm not saying that you're. I don't think. I don't think that you are. You don't have a whole lot of influence or whatever, but. I don't know maybe there's a difference between status and influence. We're already at like yeah. an hour and a half. We gotta do. We, this is gonna have to be. We should honestly make this a two part thing and, and record <laughs> an- another episode or something about this. I think this is a fun discussion. I mean, that's why the last episode is gonna be menswear as a hobby. Remember yeah. that. Um, I think that. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's just. It is tough for me to get to wrap my head around. Um. But the uh, the other idea here, the other, the other point that that, J, that JTR puts is that do you agree with Marxist theory that the internet has increasingly made wealth the most important status signal, and that other forms of cultural capital are becoming less important? The answer is yes. Yeah. Because of wealth, just I mean, it's it's not this is not a gotcha thing. Wealth just lets you do things, man. Like yeah. it, I like like it, it 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 first off it it means that you're able to try things. No, all and, those and, and partake in things. All those TikToks that are like my the day in the life as like you know, me a twenty two year old in Manhattan or whatever. That's all. That's yeah. that's that's all that aspirational thing. It's like, <laughs> it's all just like you know, if you if you only had the money where you could, where you could um, spend your day, uh, going to like, like cucumber juice places until three p.m. Yeah. or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just oh, how much of your how much freedom you're allowed to have is just given to you a lot by wealth. Mm-hmm. The and the other part too is that wealth um, provides provides you as a cushion for consequences. Like you know, like if you were a rich guy and then you wore a t-shirt to a formal event, you're not going to be blacklisted and fired like you're still rich compare that to like maybe like you know you're a first year law student who is like the first person in your family to go to to go to law school or to go to college and then you make a faux pas at like a at like a law event and then you're blacklisted from a bunch of like law firms like Mm. you're gonna like that you're gonna feel that more Mm. it's the whole it's the whole speeding ticket analogy where like you know like a regular guy getting a speeding ticket it's like a fucking paycheck versus like a rich guy where it's like it's like it's like the equivalent of like a dollar is to the other guy, you know? And if we, if we look at status and culture as exercises in, in how much you can do of each thing, of course the wealthy are going to be able to do more stuff. Of course that's going to be the one metric to have because it doesn't matter. Like you don't have, you you don't need education to partake in those things because of how much we become a, a, a consumerist or how much more we become a consumerist a society mm-hmm. you know there is no value in being like i don't know i guess the whole question here now is would you rather be a filmmaker or a guy who's watched every film out there you know and 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 like which one like whose opinion do you value more yeah you know and and the answer is if you're gonna watch all the films and be there you know like you're gonna be rich right like you gotta be able to do those things and you i guess you gotta be every it, movie you're gonna be the richest I guess guy there is you have to be you have to have some like wealth to like go to school and everything yeah. but i'm well, just saying I that think, like i think that's yeah. another issue and again we're already running a little bit long but um i think i think the other issue that is that like it, it's 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 becoming more difficult to break into just to to pursue art unless you're already born unless you're born wealthy yes and absolutely um the people that are born wealthy uh i think fundamentally have just different 
brains than everybody else. Yeah, um, they just if you I mean the whole idea of risk that's something that I guess that I wish that the book talked more about. Like mm-hmm. that that idea that you're going to lose something is um is more is a good motivator for a lot of decisions here. Um and it's it and more so than just oh being reduced to being um uh what's the k word again kitsch like there yeah. there there are certain things that are just are much more ostr- you know ostracizing you know i wish i also wish there were more juicy stuff in here i think that's another thing that the uh the review i read um and i agreed on where like obviously he he steps uh mark steps away from like overly politicized or 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 you know more nuanced and, and difficult topics you know like what about like what about the st- status of like you know marrying an immigrant or like you know like like a uh i think they call um not, uh interracial marriages i should say or something mm-hmm. like, or interracial relationships stuff like that like that th- these things that also kind of have that de- that definitely have cultural and status signifiers you know i think that that's kind of a big deal obviously you know if he ever makes a sequel to the book it's important um but let, let's finish off with this with this last topic here what would be the best way to distribute status in our our society or how to redistribute it and how would we how should we do that within menswear what behavior should be rewarded and admired i don't know i mean i've always just liked i don't know um people that are good (laughs) should be rewarded (laughs) it should just be uh, like it's it's a cop-out to say it should be a true meritocracy but in a perfect world um I mean, I guess to to even be a meritocracy, you still have to define like you know what's good. But uh, I I like I like creativity and experimentation. I say that as a guy that wears the same outfit like every day. But um, yeah, it joined I, me, guy. Hey, I, that's the answer, right? I like to people. dress like Ethan. Yeah, but I don't know. I like people. Well, I I think it's I think it's like I like I like when someone is able to experiment um and try something new and try something like novel but i also like when someone can really really hone in and try to perfect like one thing i guess i also kind of admired that i i think well honestly i as i've always said with fashion like i don't like i i think the the, the most important thing is to is that you have your own personal like point of view and that you have something that you're trying to say with your outfit and that it's not just it's not just wearing something that you saw on a mannequin or whatever. Um, but that, that, that there's, you're trying you're expressing something personal with it. Yeah. MJ. Um, I don't know about spreading status or distributing status because it kind of, I don't know. It's it's it can't be spread. <laughs> it's well. yeah. It's, it's, it's not like, you know, it's, I kind of understand what they're trying to get at, but it's, you have to make, a conscious decision to you know gain or to immerse yourself in 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 something right anything that requires like a particular taste or you know he uh in i put i put it down here in chapter seven of the book he mentions that the artist's role is to see and to um like make make things known that people don't usually see uh they challenge yeah, they, ch- they they challenge like the norm and uh um like introduce radical innovations and you can't you can't make somebody do that <laughs> you know um so 
it's you know it it goes goes back to the whole uh you know effort and um you know fi- finding out what your taste is you know making sure that um like there's a there's a authentic uh aspect for your desire to like dress or like whatever you know hobby or um something that you're trying to get into mm-hmm. yeah i mean so i i i agree with both of you guys i mean i think it's a combination of everything where like we said as we closed out the book we agree with marx that like the real idea is to just be creative delve into the complex but still make it um com- complex and maybe in the in the references behind it but but easily understood and not mysterious you know it, people should people should be able to get something from you regardless of what you're wearing um and i guess the same thing with with any other kind of cultural movement um you know to get to the heart of it um but that idea of uh of distributing it i feel like there i wrote this down earlier in my other notes here where um it says that he writes about the redistribution of respect you know and he said treat superiors like peers i feel like that's what's happened nowadays but i feel like what we should do is treat beginners or the new or lower class status as peers as well cuz again one of the things that maybe that i felt you know is if i if i've always had this like idea of myself as low status that's the one reason why i like to talk to people i think it's like i don't really see myself as anything different cuz i'm not like we're all like kind of doing similar movements we're just at different stages hmm. but we're still going through that idea of experimentation like i still ex- well Maybe I experiment a little bit less now, but I have gone through experimentation and I experiment with different things or I try new things. And I'm still self-conscious about certain stuff, too. It's just about reframing it. You know, it's just people are more self-conscious of of other people, whereas I'm self-conscious of if I'm going to if, if I'm going to like it, like I'm my own worst critic, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of reframing the idea around that about like kind of just being peers with everybody like my I don't like status. I hate the idea of status because I I don't I personally don't like looking at it like that. I think mm-hmm. it's more of it in terms of like if we talk about meritocracy, like you said, Spencer, I think it's more about like merit or like taste can differentiate us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm necessarily higher on the status thing compared to someone who has. Yeah, you know, I th- and, well, yeah. I, I was. Just, yeah, I think it's just, again, a difference between like seeing status as like a value judgment versus like status mm. is just like an observation like of like a oh, hierarchy, like, I guess. Of like where someone is. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause I, I know th- that we put here, it's like a lat, like people can view it as like a ladder to climb in order mm-hmm. to get to, yeah. to something. Um, but, but again, my, my idea of this, the way to proliferate the stuff is to kind of, you know, if, if everyone can see themselves as being potentially creative, as we said earlier, I feel like that's kind of the way forward here where people can, can kind of see that they can make cultural movements, um, you know, independent of, of their status or, or just, or maybe like in, in spite of their status and, 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 in, in their culture, you know, like, I think it's great when our, our finance, our resident finance guy wore a green suit and like mm. pushed the boundary a little bit. I think, I think we need more of that to kind of challenge the idea of what, what is the culture acceptable? You know, he talks about norms, but like also just like, what what kind of cultural stuff get movement yeah you know i think i think we need more of that to kind of just be like fuck it i'm gonna do what i want Mm. um 
Again, the downside is if that stuff is not educated and just lowest common denominator stuff. But I, don't, I think that it goes hand in hand with the ideas of complexity and creativity that we said before. Like if you can have that and, and have the confidence to do whatever you want, kind of like how me and Spencer did, I think that that's, that's it. Like I, I, I would have hoped that, not to say that our podcast is influential or, or, or that all that special, but it's my hope that we did it because we were primed to do it. But if we didn't do it, anyone else could have done this. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about anything. I think there are so many guys out there in menswear or in the vintage scene who like, who are young, you know, maybe not as active as they used to be, but like who still like spear point collars or whatever. And I feel like if I didn't do it, someone else would have done it, you know, like, yeah. I, but I, I just happened to do it at that time. And I think we need, we need more of that, more people to just kind of look into what they like and why and be aware of the signals that it has. Like, again, like, that that's what makes me able to write something like, I'm not a good composer, but mm. makes me write something like like the we, You Should Be War Zoning, which is a very Hans Zimmer, very pop influence and influence stuff. And, and be and and to know that it's a silly it's a silly song. Like, yeah. I think when um when, when Scott was watching MJ's cut of it, he goes like, oh, I recognize Ethan's tropes of music like right here. And it's just like silly, you know, meet meet. Um, co-opting the Hans Zimmer stuff and then I can also write something that I've written like in high school which is a lot more John Williams focused where I know that that is much more complicated and a little bit more old school but I also I'm just aware of all of these things just like how today I can wear a t-shirt and a sport coat and be like okay I'm very throwing fits or very zeitgeisty and then I can also wear like a spear point collar um with high-waisted pants I mean both of my pants are high-waisted but mm-hmm. you know make it make it something a little bit more pointed in a different aesthetic to just know these things and that might be what we're losing in status and culture. And it's, it's, again, it's my hope that with the internet, you just learn this stuff, man. Yeah. But maybe we just use the internet differently than everyone else. And I, maybe that's the yeah. real answer. I, I think, I think, well, for me, the better answer to the original question is um, just being like anti-gatekeeper kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Because like if we're treating, you know, if we want to, if we're going to say we're going to treat uh, like, you know, newer members or newer, newer hobbyists as peers, that's kind of where it starts with, you know, not gatekeeping, uh, you know, menswear or whatever you want to yeah, say. I still answer in my DMs every once in a while if I have time. And if it's not like a, a too simple of, or I guess if it's like a, not a weird question, I'll usually answer it and tell you where I got this or, or at least point, link an article that'll put you in the right, the right way. You know, I, I always have always operated under that thing. Cause I feel like anyone can unlock that creativity. It's, it's, it's my personal belief. I don't know if I said this already, but like, if you just were exposed and you learn why this is what this is, anyone can get into it. I think mm-hmm. that any like you don't have to be like Hans Zimmer. You could be a John Williams if you wanted to, but it it's better to make the choice between John Williams and Hans Zimmer than just feeling like you're Hans Zimmer. Maybe that's what Spencer's been saying the whole time. So uh-huh. I get it. I get it. I get it. We all get um, it. Catch us uh, hopefully you guys, later. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this whole episode. I know it's a long one, but hey, this is what the whole book's about. I hope you read yeah. the book, uh, buy it from your local bookstore if you can. Um, and if you want to discuss this more with us, you can go to patreoncom direction. That gives you access to our bonus episodes as well as our Discord, where we talk about this all the time. And uh, you'll see how we make these blog posts. $10 a month gives you nothing more than that, except (laughs) the, I guess it's status to get that little sad cast fanatic at, you know, that role. And you get the status boost of us saying your name. That's more than the other guys. So, MG, who are we thanking? 
We're thanking our Sidecast fanatics, Shane Curry, Philip Kregard, Jerk Collian, Henrik Ulberg, and John Clifford. We, we thank you for you doing it for the culture. Yeah, do it for the culture. This culture. The culture where apparently I have high status and apparently. Yeah. The Appar- local, apparently. Local remember that kid? Yeah. Apparently. You know, Oscar is, Oscar is named actually. <laughs> actually what? Actually, you're speculating there. I always say that, but I don't know if anyone remembers that bit longer than um, I do, as long as I do. Um, gotta get the we uh, hopefully again. Oh, and thank you to Jeremy and uh, and JTR for sending in those questions. Hopefully, this is everything you ever wanted and more because it's long, baby. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. 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 Bye bye.